Hello everybody. Welcome again to the garden. We're here in the spirit for your spiritual education. We're beginning another lesson of the educational series called Helping People the Lord's Way. I'm trying to show you, teach you, that you may have a basic desire to help people or the resources or creatures or animals or nature. But it may not be the way of the Lord. And you may have to learn and be educated how to do that. That's how Pastor Deborah was. I began helping people the way of the mental health counselor. I was trained and educated to be a counselor that would diagnose and then treat biological and medical mental diseases and illnesses so that the insurance companies would pay me. I was trained to be a medical diagnostic person. To look into your thoughts and your feelings and find where they were diseased, unbalanced, where you had an illness and provide the treatment in a medical framework with medical uh, devices to help you be healed. That's how I got started. I don't know how you got started. I was taken out of that life years and years ago. You learned on the other video in lesson number four. And we had been working through Pastor Deborah's different areas of education and training. Remember? You do. You were here? Okay. Now I want to continue on with that and tell you a wonderful story. But first, before we begin, let's pray. Is there anybody here that would like to pray? Yes, you way back there. Okay. While this young one is praying for us, let's all just be quiet. I'm going to bow my head. And when the prayer's over with, I will close us out. All right? You go right ahead, dear. Wonderful. Father, we thank you for this young one whose heart is desiring to know how to help people your way. Not the way as his culture or his religion or his ancestors or that he has been taught. That he is praying for all of us to learn how to help people your way. Which he also asks you to help us, to teach us and train us. So that we can be about your work. And Father, we ask you to answer that prayer. With all that are here. That they will learn spiritually. That you work from the spirit. To the soul. And out to other people. 
Some people believe that we have to go physically, give a cup of food or water, and your soul gets happy, and that we are showing the love of God. The soul is feeling happy because it's being attended to. But that is no spiritual work. For the soul basically thinks all this spiritual God stuff is foolishness. It will accept whatever you want to give it. It will be happy. It will be joyful. But you haven't touched the spirit. The soul is not the source. The earthly cup of water. The earthly talking. It is not the source for the spirit. Only your words that are anointed by your Holy Spirit, that are taught and brought out of a pure spirit that is a life-giving spirit, can touch the spirit. People don't recognize what your goals are, Father. Your goals are spirit, for the spirit, in the spirit. They think that because People cannot hear you in their language and they have no Bibles. And they have to have a person to come physically. And they will find everything in the Bible to support their beliefs. And I had to just tell a pastor, if that's how God has called you to go, then you must obey. He will work through your obedience. They complain because somebody gets arrested. Maybe they needed to be arrested in order to preach to the prisoners that were in jail or prison. But they moan and groan and complain. And I had to tell this young man, Satan's listening to you. And all you hear from him are excuses. And people can't understand unless you go physically and you give them something physically. And he is not presenting a powerful spiritual spirit. He knew nothing about binding up the enemy. That you're in a fight against spiritual enemies. He really doesn't have an understanding of the soul versus the spirit. He reads the word, but it's still just sort of flesh to him. He doesn't understand a lot yet. Because when you read the Bible and you don't have deep spiritual revelations. Can God work through you? Yes. Can God send you to people physically? Yes. But what about those you never get to? Who's going to get to them? Well, that's where Pastor Deborah comes in. Because I bring all those people from the hill countries, from the mountains. People have no clothes, nothing to eat. When they sleep or they're near death or they're out, God brings their spirit. He draws their spirit to him. So, Father, you be about your work, however you want to do it. I know what you've called me to do, and I stay in that. And I know other people been called to go or maybe translate the Bible to other languages or to make videos or movies, write songs. 
Create beautiful pictures and artwork, poems, children's books, movies. Everybody is used and God is working through all means. And he is not limited by anything, by language, by where somebody's located. If they can't read or can't write, he's not limited. If you trust God to reach people. So, Father, be about your work. Find those who will go in any way, shape, or form that you choose to reach the people. Father, you help people your way. And I'm just glad that there are obedient servants going when you ask them to go. However that is. If you ask them to paint a picture, write a song. Send Bibles. Some people are just asked to pray. And angels get sent. The person never physically went, but an angel went because of prayers. Maybe some people are just called to be prayer people. Some people are called to send out their teachings in books, videos, live streaming. Visit people in hospitals, in jails, in prisons. Their neighbors. Some people aren't called to go anywhere, but stay at home and raise their family and be a shining example for their children who will go out farther than they ever will. So everybody can be about the Lord's work in whatever way he chooses. So that was my lesson to this pastor this morning. Got all messed up because our time and their time were different. Then my camera wasn't working. I have to get it fixed. So we just had a talk and I was fuzzy to him. So I'm going to get that fixed. But be encouraged. There are people, as Pastor Deborah, that work and move in the spirit. That work in the spiritual realm. There's others that work in the natural realm. God's working in both. If you'll go. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's learn about how Pastor Deborah. Learned how to help people the Lord's way. When we finished up in the last lesson. Which was number four. We had just finished talking about trauma. And post trauma. That Pastor Deborah got trained in. Then she had to learn about suicide. There was a law in the state of Florida. If I was counseling somebody. And they mentioned they were suicidal. I had to ask a few questions. Did they have a plan? Did they have their weapons of choice? And if I believed they were serious, I was to immediately take them, call 911, send them to the psychiatric hospital. There was no messing around. And then they went into the medical hospital and falled and fell under the wonderful care of a psychiatrist. That was the law for counselors. Then I had to learn about all kinds of childhood and abuse. Mm-hmm. Domestic violence with women. Gender and homosexual and lesbian abuse with their partners. I had to learn about all kind of bullying. That's right. I had to learn about what that does to the soul 
and to the Spirit. Then I had to learn about parenting. Pastor Deborah actually taught court-ordered parenting classes to those parents who had been charged with child abuse and neglect, and they were court-ordered for parenting because they didn't know how to raise a child. They knew nothing about the developmental needs of a child or the emotional needs or how your issues would affect your child. I taught that to court-ordered people. That's right. Now, that wasn't taught in my master's school. Because in the master's program, you just learn about the psychiatric diseases, personality disorders, depression, anxiety, which is fear of death, schizophrenia, paranoia, panic attacks. Mm -hmm. You didn't learn about how parenting... And the lack of knowledge about it affects children. Also, I had to learn about crime and crime victims. Pastor Deborah even went in the state of Florida. And at that time, I don't know, maybe, oh gosh, late 1990s, early 2000s, it was free for a five-day training. So you could be a victim's advocate in the state of Florida for adults. And I went through that and became a certified victim's advocate. That was after I had already become a victim's advocate for children called a GAL, a guardian ad litem. And I was trained in child abuse, trained in how to be the eyes and the ears of the judge in family court, how to go into people's homes, daycares on behalf of the judge, Checking on the children whose parents were in court because of neglect, abuse, abandonment, and tell the judge and through the lawyer of the child what I found out. So I became very legally aware of family court, the laws, family rights, parents' rights, The lack, really, of children's rights. And I learned. I even went through the state's adoption classes, which were six to eight weeks, if you wanted to adopt a child. I wanted to learn what they were teaching these parents. And they were teaching that these children to be adopted were horribly abused and carried abuse. Learned a lot. I was learning and God would then take that earthly, soulish, legal information and transfer it into the spirit for me and show me out of the word of God what this was. I had to see this in the natural. And then I had to have it revealed to me the spiritual implications And what was happening to the spirit? Now, this was all while Pastor Deborah was trying and was beginning to help people the Lord's way. I had to learn about biological injuries, head injuries, strokes, diabetes, Alzheimer's. If you had a spinal cord injury, if you had 
This one lady, she had a lawnmower explode on her, and she was burned over her whole body. And she was wrapped in gauze, and I had to help her emotionally just by looking at her eyes. So I had to get training in all areas of helping people. Then God would take that and show me a corresponding scripture of spirit and words of spirit and what this looked like to the human spirit that he saw that he wanted to work with and deal with. Pastor Deborah was led, guided in church. Pastor Deborah volunteered to go into the jail and teach women about drug abuse. Pastor Deborah was working and under a pastor to learn how to teach and preach, write sermons, reading all the books, becoming to become an ordained minister with the assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. I worked in, went in the jail doing Bible studies. That's right. Pastor Deborah did a lot. Went into a lot of places trying to help people. But one of the biggest experiences I had that helped me to see the two areas where God works and how he uses people. There was a young man who had several houses outside this church called Brownsville Assembly of God that was in a powerful worldwide revival. I have some of those videos on the website in the movie section, testimony section. This young man, uh, he was told by God to fix up these houses so people who wanted to come to the revival could stay. They would rent a room or bring a family, and they could just walk a block down to the church. And he was told by God, you take care of their physical bodies and their physical needs. You provide a safe, clean place for their bodies to be in, to sleep in, rest. And when they come to the church under this evangelist, I, he said, will take care of their spiritual needs. This is what this young man told me that God had told him. He was to provide a physical sort of hotel for the physical bodies. That was his response. And he did it faithfully and obediently. But that was not going to affect their spirit. Only when they got into the spiritual atmosphere under an evangelist in the spiritual presence of God that would call them to repentance and come back to God would their spiritual needs be met. I learned there was a difference. God was working through both people through both circumstances. So I learned there are people that are called to help the physical things. I tried that. I gave food, clothes, brought them into my home, paid money for them to go to college, go to school, paid their rent, washed their clothes for them. Did everything to help them. 
to come into my home. I did the earthly, but I saw no change. So I learned God works on many levels. And as long as you are obedient to what you're called to do, then you are right with God. Now, some people say, well, God didn't do any spiritual stuff in the Bible. We don't read about that. Everybody went physically and they traveled physically. That's because they didn't have the spiritual revelations. God is not here. Jesus is not here physically anymore. But he's traveling all over the world in dreams, in spirits, using animals, using angels. God will use whatever he needs to use. But he needs obedient servants. So some of us are called to go physically. And some of us are called to go spiritually. We are here spiritually right now. Sometimes I don't go, I don't go anywhere. People come to me. Sometimes you might talk on the phone to one, but you're really talking to 25, 200 people. Satan's not going to come to you in the natural. No God is going to show up and come to you in the natural. That's all spirit stuff. Believing in a God is spiritual stuff. So I had to tell this pastor today, okay, that's where you are. And he said, I don't have a lot of teaching in this spirit stuff. But the Bible, everybody went. Everybody went physically. He can't even see that maybe Philip was translated spiritually. God can take me. I belong to him. To help him with his work. If he wants to translate me spiritually or physically, that's up to him. I just have to believe that he will do that. But this young pastor was complaining and complaining and complaining about all the problems. and Oh, uh, people are getting arrested and this country is horrible for Christians and complaining. Satan was laughing at him. He was not a soldier. He was not a warrior. He thought the only way that you can get people saved is to go and say, God loves you and give them a cup of water. He didn't even think that the pastors who were arrested and now in jail, maybe God wanted them there. And God allowed that to happen so they could preach the word to those prisoners. God cares about them. But no, they just complain. Some of our people are arrested because they want a nice, easy life. They want a building. They want money. They want members. Well, they can't understand your English. The Spirit can understand any language. We learned that and I had to tell him. When Peter came out after the fire fell, he spoke in his language, but everybody heard him in their own language. God is capable of doing anything necessary to help get his message out. He'll speak to people and they'll make movies. They'll write books, poems, songs, music, draw pictures. God is not restricted. And when we keep saying the only way you can reach people is to physically go and physically be in their presence, then you are not looking at God, who is an unlimited God, who will do whatever he desires to do to reach people. 
So in my early beginnings, I didn't know that. I didn't know about how to do any of this. I was trained to diagnose people with a medical problem and to talk the language of the insurance companies, numbers. Mm -hmm. And each year they would revise this diagnostic statistical manual where the numbers were, which came from psychiatrists, to talk the language of medicine. When you get into medicine, it's all numbers language. If you're telling somebody they have bone cancer, there is a a number that goes with that. The insurance company knows that. So there was this language of medicine I had to learn. But yet the diagnostic statistical manual could be updated. Tell you a story about that. Back in the, oh, sometime in the 70s, the homosexuals and lesbians were complaining. They had been in, uh, their sexual behaviors had been listed in the diagnostic statistical manual as abnormal, a mental illness. Well, they disagreed with that because the criteria in the diagnostic manual was if your mental and emotional problems, your ideas, your thoughts, your behaviors affected you in your family, like you were cruel or abusive or hitting or violent, That was a mental illness. If you had a drug and alcohol problem, because that was a mental illness. If you couldn't hold down a job because of your mental health issues, that was a mental health problem. If you couldn't stay in a committed relationship, like a marriage, a partnership, that was a mental health issue. And so the homosexuals and the lesbians said, Hey, we do not do drugs. We're in committed relationships 20, 30 years. We work full-time jobs. We're doctors, lawyers, judges, computer operators. We have a peaceful life. We vote. We don't break the law. We don't drink and drive. Just because we choose and we like to have sex and partners with the same sex, that's not a mental illness according to your evaluation. You better take that out of the diagnostic statistical manual. So they did. Homosexuality and lesbianism was no longer considered a mental health disease, an illness, according to to the psychiatrist. In and out things went, always adjusting. Now they have something called gender dysphoria that's in there. And you get diagnosed with that. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Deborah had to learn this whole language of insurance, medicine, terms, treatment, diagnosing. Then I was involved in the National American Mental Health Counselors Association. I sat on three national committees, the Public Policy and Legislative Committee. I would go to Washington, D.C., 
many, many times and lobby my senator from the state. I sat on the educational committee that was responsible for writing all of the educational protocols. I think it was called the Public Policy Committee. No, that's not right. I'm sorry. It was the Educational Standards Committee. I worked with college professors from all over the United States. We were trying to bring in standards for every state's master program so that they would come up to the level of social workers who were accepted by Medicare. So they could get paid, they could be hired in hospitals and in medical communities, work right with the psychiatrist in psychiatric hospitals. We were trying to improve the educational standards for in order for people to get licensed. Now, some states called them licensed professional counselors. Others, it was licensed mental health counselors. Then, with that same group, the American Mental Health Counselors Association, which was just a subsection of the American Counseling Association, I was the local district representative, which covered a large geographic area. And I would have monthly meetings, newsletters, to all the potential mental health counselors and those who were licensed. And I would tell them what was going on at the state level and what was happening at the national level. I was very much involved Then I was also on a national level, the chairman of the committee to nominate potential and the next uh, leaders of the American Mental Health Counseling Association. At this time, the American Mental Health Counseling Association was not separate. It was a subsidiary under the American Counseling Association. And the American Counseling Association really was for guidance counselors, not for mental health counselors. And they really wouldn't lobby that hard for what the mental health counselors needed. They were trying to uh, compete with licensed clinical social workers and licensed psychologists in the insurance world, in the medical community. I was involved at a deep level for the profession. Then I became nationally clinically certified as a clinical mental health counselor from a national board. I was there helping people, I thought. And then God said, put that all down. But I had learned how to diagnose and treat people. I was working, making my own money, had my own professional identity. I was treating patients, clients. I had my own medical malpractice insurance, up to a million dollars I had to carry. I was doing my continuing education. I had business cards. I could work independently, or I could work with psychologists. I could work in hospitals. I had it all. I was on my way to helping people the way of the world. 
I was licensed through the state of Florida, the Medical Quality Assurance Department. I was going to be a great helper of people. I knew how to diagnose, treat, counsel people. I knew how to do group support. I had good listening skills. I have trouble now, like with this young pastor this morning. He just wanted to go on and complain and complain and complain and defend and defend. And it was difficult to just sit there. Because I don't have the time to listen to complaining. And I haven't argued lately with a flesh Christian that is just there. And we ended up, and I had to say, you do what you're called to do. Whatever that is. In whatever realm. If you're called to go and visit with people, you go. I'm called to work in the deep spirit that I had to have a lot of training for. And I just told him, I have to help national leaders. And I have to rebuke them, get them saved. But the thing is, I don't like excuses. This work is God's work. But he couldn't understand. He couldn't see the spiritual work. Even though he reads the word. He doesn't believe that God is working now through Christ Jesus. Through dreams. Well how will they understand you? They speak a different language. Not in the spirit realm. I understand demons. Have you ever had, had studied nonverbal communication? Have you ever understand? And I told him about Peter. And everybody heard Peter when he spoke after the day of Pentecost in their own language. God is God's responsibility to change the language. Not mine, but he was a complainer. And I understand he's in a nation that is not nice to Christians. And it's hard. And it's a big country and big nation. But he's still stuck. With just going in the natural. He wanted me to come to their nation. And talk to all their pastors. Said I don't travel. But we could do a group thing on Zoom. Oh well they won't understand your English. Well you'll just have to have a translator. Because that's just in the natural. So that was just this morning. So here I was. I was fully licensed, fully engaged in helping people the way of mental health counseling. I was a professional. I was going to have a good career. Make lots of money. Was well trained. I was in leadership. I was traveling to Washington. And all my traveling up there and to the state was all free, paid for. By the Mental Health Counseling Association. That's right. I was well on my way. But God wasn't happy. God had other plans for me that I didn't know about. I had learned how to take notes, record, and how to send the things to the insurance companies. I knew there was a pecking order. Psychiatrist, psychologist, licensed clinical social workers, and licensed mental health counselors. There was a pecking order. I fit really well into it. 
That's the way it was. But I must have become unsettled. Because I had a, there was a psychologist that was working in this office I was in. And I asked him a question one day. He was a doctor. It had some kind of psychology. And he put his ad out professionally as a marriage counselor. And people, boy, do they have problems in marriages. And do they need help. So they would come in and he would talk with them. And he'd start seeing them. And I asked him, I said, could you explain to me how marriage is a mental health disease or illness that you can charge the insurance companies for diagnosing a diseased marriage or illness. He said, well, what he does is he talks to me, finds out one of them has got some kind of depression about something. And that's causing the marriage problems. So then he bills the insurance companies for the depressed person. Not can't bill the insurance company for a bad marriage because it's not a medical disorder. And I thought that was you're misrepresenting yourself to the public as a marriage counselor, relationship counselor. And when they get there to make your money, you find a medical disease and you charge the insurance for treating that person in the marriage for that. I thought that was a scam. I thought that was a sneaky way of doing what he should be doing. Marriage counseling is pastors do that and we don't charge anybody for anything. We don't look for diseases and illnesses to make money. But this one did, so... Things were starting to go, this is not right. Mm-hmm. This is not right. So, God had a plan for me. I didn't know that. But he took what I had, the desire to help people. Ask me, please put your license down. And... Let me teach you and train you the Lord's way. Okay. The only role model I had in front of me was go and become an ordained minister. God didn't tell me to do that. I just thought that's how you were to do it. And I had to work in the jails. But in this particular denomination, the only places you could be was a on-staff Senior pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor, or the praise and worship leader. There was no other positions. If you wanted to be an evangelist and go to another country, you first had to be fully ordained, work two years on full-time staff in one of those positions, and fill out some paperwork, get some recommendation, do lots of psychological testing, not by the pastors, but by mental health people, to see if you're qualified to go away from home. You won't crack up, have mental issues. Then, 
you would be approved to go to another country. That was this one. I didn't fit. But God didn't say you're going to help people spiritually. And you're going to work with multi-generational Satan's kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers spiritually. You're going to go to satanic meetings spiritually. I'm going to bring witches and warlocks and high priests of Satanism into your home. He didn't do that. He didn't do anything while I'm pursuing my ministerial credentials. I learned a lot. I learned I couldn't write a sermon the way they wanted I had to give one to my associate pastor. I sat under him. I became a part of his dream team and and had weekly meetings with him. He didn't like me, though, because I was on the deliverance team casting out devils, exerting the kingdom of heaven like Christ Jesus did. They weren't. They didn't see what I saw in a physical body. Eyes rolled back in their head, slithering people on the floor like snakes, barking like dogs, hissing like cats. They didn't see the multiple personalities, the demons talking through us because they weren't on the deliverance team. But Pastor Deborah volunteered to do that, to learn. I was also on the prayer team. For the first maybe year, all I did was receive prayer. And I'd fall right on over I'd lay on the floor for up to about two, two and a half hours in the peace of the Lord having waves of God's presence power cleaning me going through me I could hear everything couldn't open my eyes couldn't move and then I volunteered to be on the prayer team now I had to learn how to have God I didn't believe that God would move through me through my hand, if I touched somebody like it had been touching me. I shook and shivered and shaked. I sweated. God's power was so much fire coming through me to touch somebody else. It was exploding out of me. Many people didn't receive it. They're chewing gum, praying in tongues, resisting. And I'd have to say, just relax. God wants to touch you. You don't have to fall. And I would just go, just like this, touch them, Lord. Most of them would fall. I fell all the time. God would do deliverance on me, clean me up. One of my first stories, an introduction into the spiritual world, was laying on the floor. I was in a crystal river. Eyes were closed. Waves washing over me. I don't know where I was. They didn't talk about this in church. They didn't talk about the spiritual. Because to them, anything of the spiritual nature, even demons, were of no earthly good. And in this particular denomination, they had toned all that spiritual stuff back. All the casting out of devils and even the healing. Because people were manifesting demons and they didn't want to be considered weird in the community because they wanted to attract lawyers, doctors, professionals. They didn't want to have any of these demons shining out, (laughs) manifesting. So they toned everything down. There was no presence there. So here I am on the floor. 
waves, water, clear water just washing over me. And then a golden hand shows up. My eyes are closed in the spirit with a golden sponge scrubbing me. Okay? Then a golden light drying me. And I hear God said, Now I have cleaned you up for the work that you are to do for me. That was my deliverance. I had experience after experience after. I went to church seven nights a week going after God. First, I had to get a lot. Then when I got on the prayer team, I didn't know if God would move through me. I had never had God move through me to touch somebody else. But he did. I would shake and sweat. The fire of God was so explosive in me, coming through me. A light little touch. You were over and gone. I was sensitive to God's presence. Lots of training occurred to me in church. The gift of discerning of spirits began to operate. I could see and hear God, demons, claws, and humans. I could see things. Then I joined the deliverance team. They didn't like to use that name, so it became the personal ministry team. I would sit in the congregation by myself most Friday nights. And I would be responsible over six to 8,000 people along with the ushers. If somebody started manifesting a demonic spirit, because we were in the pure presence of God. I was called and I had to bind up according to Matthew 18 and 18. I had learned that by from the man that I watched and followed for just a little bit. Then I was on my own. My very first experience with that was with an elderly lady. They had taken her out, put her in a wheelchair, and she and her husband was there. And I had every pastor, security guard, every legal authority in that room with me. And they knew they were not allowed to say one word. Not to say one word. It was all on me. And I prayed to God. I said, God, I sure hope this binding of Matthew 18 and 18 works. I had been trained to go through a list. And here's what I did. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as his authority on earth from the kingdom of heaven, I bind the spirit of Antichrist. I bind the spirit of bondage. I bind the spirit of divination. I bind the spirit of death and dumbness. I bind the spirit of death. I bind the spirit of error. I bind the spirit of infirmity. I bind the spirit of haughtiness. I bind the spirit of jealousy. I bind the lying spirit. I bind the seducing spirit. I bind the perverse spirit. I bind the spirit of whoredoms. In the name of Christ Jesus, be bound. Be silent. And this lady just went, And I had to do this out loud in front of the youth pastor, other visiting pastors, 
the security guards, her husband. I was all alone with just what I had been trained. God was allowing me to step up and take authority and dominion over spiritual things. Years I did this. Years I did. Then every Saturday night I would fast, go to church, and I went into a deliverance session with maybe two other people. And I would see and hear things that they didn't hear. And we proceeded to cast out. We were not allowed to cast out in the sanctuary, but bind up according to Matthew 18 and 18. I saw ushers fall down and turn grayish as death. I saw people slithering on the floor in intercession as snakes and hissing. I saw them on their knees barking like dogs. I saw fear. I saw people agitating when praise and worship. Demonics. I saw interference during praise and worship time. I saw yelling and screaming. People crawling up the walls, arching their backs. Eyes rolled back in their head. I had experiences that if anybody in the mental health world had seen, they would get the straitjacket. But I was not afraid. I knew God was training me. He was showing me the world. So I go study Jesus and all his casting out, his healing. I studied. I read books about deliverance. I studied videos and more books. I read the scriptures and more scriptures. God was training me right there in church. Then I'd go get prayer. This one time I'm laying on the floor underneath a pew. And I want to get up and praise and worship God and dance, give Him glory. And God's Spirit said, stay down. Put all that noise in the background. I need you to hear me clearly. Be calm on your spirit. But I wanted to get up. Be calm. Hear me clearly while there's music and dancing. That must be in your background. It was training, training for what I did not know until later. When I would be taken to a satanic meeting, standing in flames when a person was being burned alive, I'm there in the spirit. People are screaming, they're screaming. And I have to hear God's voice. And my spirit and my soul had to be calm to get God's work done. It's like being trained as a Navy SEAL to go in and get a job done. You train, you train, you train. My military beginnings when I grew up in a military family was there. I'm tough. But I didn't know any of that in mental health counseling. Because to mental health counseling and most of religion, there's no such thing as evil, wicked spirits in people or in animals or in trees or in nature. That's foolishness and superstitious. That's right. And most of your Protestant 
denominations in Christianity, they don't believe in it. At least the Catholic Church believes in a spirit world and that these evil spirits can be in people and they have exorcists who will exercise, cast them out. I was going into a world where I needed the gifts of the spirit. I needed to hear and see things that only you could see and hear in the spirit. I needed God's angels. I've got 13 of them around me right now. One is a main one, Samuel. And there's 12 on the side. They protect me everywhere I go. Now I've been given a legion of angels. The head one's name is Light. And I had to learn how to be a general and spiritually command them to go out into the world on behalf of the Lord and the kingdom of heaven. That was not taught. I had experiences in church that 99.9% of Christians never have had. I've seen things that they've never believed in. I've worked with witches and shamans and psychics, multi-generational Satanists, people with multiple uh, personalities, people severely abused and traumatized. I've worked with presidents who serve the new world order, who are trying to get everybody to fall under the prince, the control to take the mark of the beast, whatever that is. I had to learn about that. I studied the CIA programs of ultra mind control, the LSD trials so they could go and stare at a goat and kill him. I studied the psychic warriors that would leave their bodies during Vietnam and they would travel called psychic roaming. I didn't know any of that existed when I was a mental health counselor. I didn't realize that witches will have a ceremony, leave their body, and their spirits will travel around. I didn't know anything about spirits and curses. How, if you go to a witch doctor to get somebody cursed, what is actually happening? I didn't understand voodoo. Or worshiping other idols. None of that was taught in mental health counseling. God had to take years. I had to read horrendous books. True stories. Watch movies. Read the word of God. Show this to me. Where is it? Where is all this in the Bible? Show it to me. Teach me. Let me see what's hidden under those words. And I was a faithful student. Oh, I missed it. But I kept going. I kept trusting God that he would lead me. And he would help me. He wanted to reach these people spiritually. Who were trapped in Satanism. Serving the prince of this world. Trying to build his one world government. The deep Illuminati. That's right. He was trying to reach the Taliban. The ISIS fighters. Al-Qaeda. He was trying to reach world leaders. Human traffickers. Pimps. 
drug dealers. He was trying to reach a whole nation that has a dragon as their God. He was trying to reach everybody in the realm of the spirit where he was, where he told the woman at the well, God is a spirit and you must worship him in the spirit with your spirit. And he's looking for your spirit to have truth about him. He wasn't there to get earthly water. He said, you will thirst again for that. He says, my words, they are spirit and their life. I had to study spirit. I had to study the word, look them up. I had to learn God's heart, Isaiah 61, 62, for all of humanity. I had to write scriptures out, read them, write them, read them, pray them. God, I don't understand. What are you talking about? Ask God questions after questions after questions. Show me, teach me. But don't tell me now. Show me when I'm not paying attention so I'll know it's you. I had to learn how to test and try the spirits. Because Satan will disguise himself as a god. As a goddess and come to you and want to have sex with you and be intimate with you. He will try to speak to you to turn you from following the voice of God. So he can claim you're not one of his sheep. Because you don't. You followed another voice. So I have to test and try the spirits. But I had to learn that. I had to learn to distinguish a human spirit from an angel of God, from a demon, from Satan. They all move in the spirit, in that unseen world that's around us. I had a lot to learn. So I stayed to myself. I didn't talk to many people, still don't. I teach And I have a trouble. I had trouble this morning with this pastor. Because he's still there in the natural. And I had to eventually say, that's okay. You do what you're called to do. I will do what I'm called to do. And if we both do it, then we will reach everybody. But he can't see the spirit yet in the Bible. He can't see the examples are for our spiritual understanding. He's still a child, still a baby, stuck in the flesh. He doesn't quite have a deep relationship with God yet and know how God works spiritually. He doesn't even have probably an understanding of the spiritual kingdoms here on earth. I don't even know if he's ever cast out a devil. Don't know if he's laid hands on the sick and they've recovered don't know but I get frustrated with people who are in the flesh that can't believe God it will move in the spirit and they're stuck in just one way I know I tried that way that's wonderful that you do that you go and you do what God has called you to do do it well and I will do what God has trained me to do Helping people the Lord's way, not the way of the mental health counselor. I don't know if you'll ever, most people ever get to have all the experiences that I had 30 years ago in a church. 
The revival went on five years. Millions and millions and millions from all over the world came. We were on 2020 on news, people. The presence and the power of God was so powerful. Some people couldn't even get in the doorway. Their demons couldn't get in. They'd be in line. They'd manifest, fall down, foaming at the mouth. They had to call Pastor Deborah. I worked with children who were filled with demons. Young teens. Ushers, greeters, pastors. Pastors' wives, pastors' children. But yet, a lot of people said, Christians can't have demons. Oh, yes, they can. They can have them and not know it. They're slippery, sneaky, spiritual things. And you must learn their ways. And you must be aware of them. So Pastor Deborah's training in order to help people the Lord's way involves spiritual education. Both of God's kingdom, God's angels, God's ways, and Satan's. And what the two kingdoms were here on earth. I had to learn about how nature is being held captive by Satan. And it is used the weather, the famine, what curses do. Because of the blood we have shed on this earth. You want to know why the earth does not produce food for you? It's cursed you. Because of the blood that's been shed on the land. It will not bring forth its bountiful blessings. But when a king arises and it cleanses the land spiritually. People are in darkness and ignorance about the one true spiritual God. They don't know even in their dreams. A snake will come to them and they'll think it's God. But they have to be taught how to test and try the spirits even in their dreams. And they have to know that when they're in their dreams their spirit is awake. And Satan is roaming around like a lion, ready to pounce on them, devour them. And then there are demons that want to come and have intimate sex with you, your spirit. And they'll take you off to meetings. The high Illuminati, when they're on vacation and holiday, their spirits are taken to meetings. So you could never find them. They'll be at home with their family, in bed sleeping, but their spirit is gone. They have to show up in the meetings and give account to Satan for what they have done for his kingdom or what they have not done. I had a lot to learn. And God was going to help me. As I learned, God was going to give me an example I had this young lady living with me, Andrea. We're going to end this tape with her story. It's called She's Mine. It's on the website in the volume two of Prayer and Fasting. Andrea grew up in multi-generational sickness, severely abused. She was the daughter of a high king, Isaac, and a lady from Texas. She had multiple personalities. One was a queen. A lot of children in there. She comes to this revival and they start doing deliverance on her. And her multiple personalities showed up. So they referred her to a family physician to diagnose her. He did. She has multiple personalities. Medical diagnosis. 
So these people in this revival school called the Brownsville Revival School, the pastors, the caregivers, whoever, they were told they were never again to work with her or minister to her. They were not qualified. This is a medical diagnosis, a medical problem, a psychiatric problem. They weren't qualified. They had only had two years of Bible school. That was it. They had to take their hands off. So she started seeing a psychologist who that was his training. Dr. Stephen somebody. And he was going to deprogram her through hypnotism. See her three times a week. Charge her insurance companies for multiple personalities. Well, the insurance company starts getting the bill. And they asked the psychologist of Andrea, has she ever been tested by a psychologist, approved psychologist for multiple personalities that you say she has? And he goes, no, she must be tested if we're going to continue to pay you for treating her. So testing was lined up with a local psychologist who would test her for multiple personalities. How that works, there's a spectrum. You start here with, say, maybe depression, stress, and it works its way to number 10. At the end of number 10 is multiple personalities. All along the way, you can have post-traumatic stress and all kinds of issues. Okay? And they know that when people have been abused in childhood, they can have post-traumatic stress disorder. She gets tested. I know what the tests are like because I gave them. She came back and she was so happy because they were going to find out she was a multiple personality. She wanted that. And she, okay, the results came back. She was not. She only had post-traumatic stress disorder. And she was so upset that she didn't have that. I said, well, did you tell the psychologist did you let him see your different person? Oh, no. We can't let our system be discovered. Okay? So, you can't diagnose her and get charged for treating that. Well, this psychologist, Dr. Stephen, can't remember his name or Dr. Steve, she was living with me. Now, he wanted to coordinate with me what I was to do in my house with his patient. I had to write him a polite letter, and I said, before that, I said, God, what's going on? He wanted to control me, a minister of God, with his client in my house and tell me what to do with her. I wrote him, I said, I don't think so. You didn't send her here. God sent her here. She has spiritual issues from her spiritual life. She was raised in satanic ritual abuse that is satanic worship that's religion there's nothing against that satanism is a recognized religion in america and you as a mental health counselor or psychologist you don't work with religion you don't work with spiritual things you work with medical, biological things. This is God's work. He sent her here. I will not come under you. You will not tell me what to do in my own home. I even asked him, if she burns my house down, will you pay for it? 
She's your client. If she kills me and my family, will you go to jail and take the responsibility for our deaths? Because she's your client and patient and we're following your orders? Of course, he says, no. And I wasn't going to come under him. I was under God. So this psychologist, Dr. Steve, was telling her to get all of her multiple personalities integrated. Everybody into one. Everybody remembering all the abuse. Having all the memories. Sort of one. It was going to take six or seven years. Going to take hypnosis. Deprogramming. Medication. More hypnosis. More deprogramming. More Deprogram more hypnosis for six or seven years. Medications after medications after medications. Three times a week she was going to, she was seeing him. And God told me, He said, I'm going to show them it will not take if you do it my way six or seven years. I'll give them just a little taste. So I knew what He wanted to do. So one night in my kitchen, Andrea's there, who lived with me. Jennifer, who was living with me, also multiple personality. Her bodyguard grew up in satanic ritual abuse and a Christian brother were at my table. And when Andrea's little part, little boy wanted to say hi, he'd stick out his tongue. I go, hi, how you doing, sweetie? I knew he was there. I said, would you like to go off with Jesus Christ and just play and be a child? Play ball and run? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dear Father, we just thank you that you love little children and that he wants to come with you. Will you come and take him? They went off. Where'd he go? I don't know. That's Jesus' responsibility, not mine. I'm just a petitioner. Then two little girls showed up. Probably about maybe four and three. They start crying and Andrea's crying. I go, what's going on? You took our brother away from us. You killed him. You killed him. We want him back. I said, honey, he's not dead. He's off with Jesus. Playing. Being happy. Don't you want to go? Yes, but we can't leave. I go, why? Carrie. We can't leave Carrie. I go, well, who's Carrie? Her over there on that slab thing. She can't see. She's blind. She can't hear. She's deaf. She can't get up. She's lame. She just lays there. She's our sister. Carrie was about two years old. I could see Carrie on the slab. I'm going. Now God knew all this. So I said, let me bring your brother back. Father, please bring the little boy back. For his sisters, so maybe they will go. Now I got all, what, one, two, four of them. And the girls wouldn't leave Carrie and go off. Now these are all created multiple personality parts that they were forced to make and create in childhood. Sort of a family of children. So I'm looking at Carrie. And I knew what God wanted to do. Show them a power he had that psychology did not have. 
So then I heard this voice high above Carrie. Not in my house, higher up. And it was like this, she's mine. I could see a face. He couldn't do anything. So I knew what to do. Andrea's crying. The girls are crying. And I go, Father, your word says that you came to heal the blind, to make the deaf hear, to help the lame, to walk. Father, he'll carry. And then I said, Carry, rise up. Rise, carry, and be healed. Carry rose up off that slab. The little girls ran and got her, and all of them went off. Where'd they go with Jesus? Deliverance was happening. What I learned was Carrie was a creation of Andrea forced by this demon. That when this demon wanted Andrea's spirit and physical body to lay on a slab to do whatever he wanted to do to her or anybody else, that's what he brought Carrie up. Also, Carrie was the anchor that kept Andrea from feeling free, from feeling like she could escape, from running. There was no hope for Andrea. Why fight? I'm a family. I can't leave my little sister. She can't move. I can't heal her. So the next morning, Andrea says, Pastor Deborah, for the first time in my life, I feel free. Like I could run down the street. I said, honey, you go right ahead. And she took off and ran down the street. Her soul had one little area of freedom. Carrie was gone. The two little girls were gone. The little boy. Andrea's spirit had some freedom. She could run. She could escape. She was getting freedom. So from a spiritual work of helping people the Lord's way, not the way of mental health counseling, I saw the results in the natural of Andrea. Now, Andrea left living with me, but on her way out, she left her body and came to me and said, Pastor Deborah, I don't want to leave. You are the only one who knows how to help us. But I have to, for I will get in trouble. I told her I understood, and if she ever needed me, I would be here. And she did later. I had to send some boys physically up to another state. She was pregnant by this psychologist. She was in a horrible situation and wanted out. This psychologist was turned over to his ethical profession. He had had sex and impregnated a client of his. And God was going to deal with him. He was a married man with children. But he was really a Satanist. I sent some of my boys that I worked with that were in the underground to go get her and they brought her back here and they cared for her. 
There's all kinds of things. I have most of these stories on the website. They were so, they are unbelievable. How God can help people in the natural. Go read the Jacob's Ladder. About angels and ladders coming down. Helping orphans in buildings. And putting water and school and food. There's nothing God won't do. If you believe in his ways of helping people. He will help them with the spiritual to help the natural. But if all you are are stuck in the natural way of religion, the flesh, mental health counseling, earthly governments, you will never see God move his way of helping people. All right. I want all of you now. Yes. Father, this little one has said they need help. Like you helped Andrea. And like you helped in Jacob's Ladder, Chris. Father, these people are beginning to learn that helping people the Lord's way is different than helping in the natural. Father, meet their petitions. So they will believe in you. That you are more powerful than Satan and his gods and his demons and the earthly governments. Father, rise up. Send the help they need so they will believe in you and your kingdom and your kingdom of God's influence here on earth today. In their lives. Only you can do this father. Only you can make this happen. You know their needs. Father do what you do best. Glorify your kingdom. Your influence. Your word of God. Here on earth. As you always intended it. Help them to believe and see. That you are a God that loves them. And cares for them. And you start in the spirit out. Father thank you for this teaching. And their heart. Father we leave them with you. Here in the garden. Do your work. And send them back when they're ready. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Alright. That ends this lesson. I'll pick up. And we'll get a little deeper. Into Pastor Deborah's story. Of helping people the Lord's way. Bye. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually the Lord's way for many, many years. Come again. Watch another one, and we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments, and if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry, at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections 
that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.